You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> I'm Kyler Bingham, and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. On today's show, we have one of my favorite writers of all time, Jonathan Ames. Uh, he joins us to talk about his latest book called A Man Named Doll, um, which was just released on Mulholland Books. You know Jonathan from novels like The Extra Man and You Were Never Really Here, which were both turned into really good films. Um, his nonfiction work, his essay collections, Outstanding stuff. One of my favorites is called I Love You More Than You Know. And then he uh, put out a really good graphic novel in the late 2000s called The Alcoholic. And then, of course, his television work, Bored to Death and Blunt Talk, where he was a creator, writer, um, and producer on both those, executive producer on Blunt Talk. So I think that's why he is one of my favorite writers is because he can pivot so seamlessly between different forms, um, graphic novels, comedic TV, page-turning thriller, genre stuff, literary fiction, nonfiction essays. And just one, one thing that pops, I think we talk about it briefly, but he has a short story in a book called The Nicotine Chronicles. Really, really just outstanding stuff. He's the kind of writer that makes you wish you had written that. Um, and I think that is truly one of the highest compliments to give a writer. So yeah, one of my favorites, it was truly an honor to speak to him. I was so grateful that he took the time to talk with me. It was, it was a blast. Pick up his latest book. Like I said, A Man Named Doll. Um, you can grab a copy through Skylight Books. They're actually doing an event tonight, April 20th, um, a virtual event with, with Jonathan. And then Nick Kroll will be facilitating it. So that should be pretty cool. Um, get it through Skylight or honestly get it through any any one of your favorite independent bookstores because especially during this past year or so, they really need your support more than ever. We want to see all these incredible bookstores across the country stick around. So without further ado, let's talk to Jonathan Ames. Well, yeah, so we're, we're here with Jonathan Ames today and, and to talk mostly about his, his new book coming out April 20th, A Man Named Doll. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, well, thank you for having me. And um, I, can you hear me all right and all that? I know perfect. we're, yeah. okay, podcast perfect. is begun, but I'm just sure. sure. Yeah, no, perfect. Um, so I... I'm a big fan first off. So I think, I believe I've read all of your published work um, and of course seen the TV shows. So one, one thing, one of my favorite things about your career is, is that you have such a wide variety um, you, where you have your essays, your, your nonfiction, your TV comedy, um, and now kind of your, your genre fiction um, or pulp or whatever, whatever you would consider it. So um, when I, I read, you were never really here. It was, you know, I could tell it was a Jonathan Ames book, but it was so different from what I was expecting. I mean, I, I loved it. It was absolutely incredible. I was kind of waiting for that sequel because I believe I'd heard you talk about you were writing a sequel for this. But um, when I got a copy of a, a, a Man Named Doll, I fell in love with it. And it was definitely a page turner. I, I think I read it over the course of two nights, but I... And I, it's one of those books that I was like, I needed to go to bed. I'm a high school teacher. I wake up early and I, I haven't had a book like that in quite a while where I kept going past my bedtime. So thank you for that. Oh, well, that, I'm glad to hear that because those are the kind of books I like to read. The ones that create this compulsion, you know, and you're just, you're on a fast moving train. Um, so I, I'm glad, and uh, I'm curious. So when you wed, I almost when you wed, my, my, <laughs> I don't know, my R's are off. Um, when you read, you were never really here. You said you could tell it was uh, a Jonathan. Ames. How could you tell? I'm curious because like that was such a departure. Right. Well, I think because um, I, I read I read the the book before I saw the movie. 
Um, I think if I'd seen the movie, I would have been a, a bit startled when I saw your your name just because of the the the, the visuals initially. But when I read the book, um, it is a very dark and serious, um, you know, novella, and and the top there's some pretty heavy stuff in there. But there is um, there is little elements of sense of humor. I I think if I had to pin it down to one thing, it would be your, your kindness. I think your, your kindness, at least from my perception, when I read your work, there's a, there's a kindness that comes out from it um, that I don't very, I don't see very often. And so I think even though this character, he's, you know, he's killing people with a hammer um, there's, there's elements where you're, you're really rooting for him and he's ultimately doing a very kind and selfless act by, um, you know, trying to save this this young girl. So if I yeah, if I had to pin it down to one thing, I don't know if that's too general, but I think from what I think why you are one of my favorite writers is because of that running theme of of kindness, but interesting kindness. Because sometimes kindness it's great, but it can be boring. <laughs> and um, I think that's the running theme that I that I got from it. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think that. Uh, yeah, I could just the kindness from you know all of the the work that I've read of you. I think that comes through um, when I read it for sure. Well, thank you. Uh, not to be silly, but that's a kind thing to say. <laughs> um, and you had mentioned, yeah, I I had or have a sequel in the works to that, and um, to you were never really here. And what happened was. Uh, well, I don't know what happened exactly, but I, um, I, I had sent the beginning of the sequel to the filmmaker, Lynn Ramsey. And um, so she took just the bare elements of the beginning of the sequel to inform the ending of You Were Never Really Here. And she changed the ending um, in the film. And, and so because there were some problems in the, uh, let's say the third act of the novella as originally written. And then before the movie came out, I went back into the book, which I had originally published as an ebook in 2013. And then I expanded it. There was a section that I felt could be more exciting towards the end when he goes to the bad guy's house. And so for the novella that was published to come out with the movie, I added like 20 pages. And maybe if she had had those 20 pages, the ending of the film might not have gotten changed. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But but I was so pleased with the film anyway. So but she used uh, my novella in a sense to inform her changed ending. Um, and so then right i was about 80 90 pages into the sequel and i never can say sequel correct it sounds like cough <laughs> medicine but um that watching the movie somehow i just got derailed into not being able to continue the novella and i was a little bit adrift creatively for maybe a year or so i don't know what was going on and then i had all sorts of personal things happening that were taking up a lot of time, family things. And, and then, so summer of 2019, I'm like, I've got to write another book. <laughs> I've got to, <laughs> I, I just have to sit down and write something. And I wrote a man named doll. And what's interesting about a man named doll, I should give credit to Lee child because he had solicited me through an editor uh, at um Oh God, uh, Johnny Temple at Akashic Press mm -hmm. for this uh, book called The Nicotine Chronicles. I don't know sure. if you've seen it. I, I've read your, yeah, I've read, I was going to actually ask you about that. So I'm glad you brought that up. I, yeah, a great, great short story there. Oh, well, thank you. But the original thing I started writing for that was a man named Dahl. Hmm. And this guy who's been smoking too much, who <laughs> needs a kidney transplant, and I got about 10 pages in. I'm like, oh, wait a second. First of all, this is too long for a short story. It's getting too long already. And I think maybe I should hold on to this and not, you know, 
uh, give it to Akashic Press for two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> short story. Now I'm not. I mean, that's a f- fair price and all that. But I, I realized that maybe I had something longer here, so I put that to aside. Wrote another cigarette-based story for the Nicotine Chronicles, mm-hmm. and then. And then I picked up again a man named Dahl, summer of 2019, and, and wrote it in a few months uh, with the idea of it being a page turner. And I know you probably read the galleys. If you mm-hmm. even when you get the final book, I changed at least two or three dozen sentences that were important to me. So it kind of drives me nuts that so many people have not read the finished version, including reviewers and yeah. podcasters like yourself, but they seem to be liking it anyway. Thankfully, but I've been very neurotic about. <laughs> well, sure. Um, no, I, I love it. They, I got. They sent me. Mulholland sent me an ebook, so I wanted to get. I'm going to purchase a hard copy when it comes out. So I'll definitely reread it because, um, yeah, de- definitely my kind of book. And you know, it, it, yeah, it fulfilled the goal of being a page turner because it, it kept me up. And one thing I do, um, if I if I read a book that I really like, I try just a kind of a silly exercise. I like to sit down and try to from memory, write down all the scenes in order if I'm able to and see how closely I can, I can get. And I'm not good. I don't have a great memory, but I think, um, you know, off, usually I'm, I'm just way off and I miss huge things. But after a couple of days, after I read the book, I, I went through at work and just kind of jotted down, um, my list of, of scenes and I, I did pretty good. So I think they, it definitely stuck with me. Usually after a couple of days, it kind of things start fading away, but um, I, I, I got pretty close and I think um, interesting exercise, I mean, it, I think it just keeps, you know, hopefully my brain <laughs> sharp, but I usually find like the books that I really love, I'm able to, um, you know, get pretty pretty accurate but what's interesting is like like you know you you haven't read a book in a while and if you do it just your your recollection of it is it can be very scattered and and not at all what the what the what the book was but just your memory of it kind of kind of warps it which is interesting to to do but anyway um one thing i i think so i live in salt lake city but I, i come down to uh los angeles to see friends usually at once once a year i wasn't able to come this past summer because of the pandemic but i stay in um east hollywood los Feliz, um franklin hills area typically mm-hmm. and so that was kind of fun for me um because i i don't live there to you know like i know the dresden that mm-hmm. appears in the book so i got like it, it got me really excited to um because i i i love that area and you, you just captured it so well um you've written most of your stuff takes place in in new york city because you know you're from the east coast but um is is this the first thing that you've kind of explored with with los angeles because it definitely it's a los angeles book as far as i'm concerned and it it does it well Uh, so i'm just kind of curious um just the setting is it because you're living in the area now that that was just on on your mind yeah, well, you know, um, uh, yeah, it's definitely a Los Angeles novel, and I intended it that way, I guess, as much as one intends anything. Um, and I, I live here now. I, I've lived here, I can't believe it, you know, the nature of time for, I guess it's uh, like six and a half years. I moved here summer of 2014 mm-hmm. um, for my TV show, Blunt Talk. And I ended up staying and I, I lived in Franklin Hills, which you mentioned, and now I'm over in uh, what's known as Beechwood Canyon. Um, and I, and so, <clears throat> you know, uh, there was that old Hemingway thing, write what you know. Mm-hmm, and sure. uh, I, and when I taught writing, I always told my students, um, not write what you know, but uh, write the kind of stories you enjoy reading, because that's sort of what you've been practicing, what gives you pleasure. And, and then you'll kind of know how to, you know, write those kind of stories that you've enjoyed reading, and there'll be readers like you out there. So aim for that. And, but along the lines of write what you know, I think like what you see out you, your window, you want to describe. Uh, it's an eerie thing, but for some reason I thought of 
as you asked the question of in the silence of the lambs, when Jodie Foster, or I guess Clarice, solves the crime or somehow solves the crime or uh, Anthony Hopkins, I can't, uh, I should use the character's name, Hannibal Lecter, gives her the clue, but it's like what that horrible monster first saw out the window became his first victim. Mm. And so I think for a writer, you know, of course you want to write about perhaps exotic locales or something, but what you see out your window, perhaps you want to describe and, and the place where you live becomes a character. So New York was everything to me for most of my life. I lived there, was fascinated by it. It is a living, breathing thing. I know with my novel, The Extra Man, I very much had in mind that New York City should be like a character. And maybe that came from in college, I'd read the poem Patterson by William Carlos mm -hmm. Williams. And that was all about Patterson the city, Patterson the man, Patterson the god, father, son, pater, son, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. otter. Um, and, and then also along with writing about Los Angeles, you know, a huge Raymond Chandler fan. Mm -hmm. And this corridor that I happened to live along, Franklin Avenue, was, you know, the setting for so much, so many of uh, his stories and novels and, you know, where his office is Hollywood and uh, I don't know, not far, you know, one of the mm -hmm. fictional spots. So part of, you know, and then to write about a Los Angeles private detective is kind of like the Moby Dick of... <laughs> literary things to attempt uh -huh. and so here i was writing my own los angeles private detective and um so yeah la was very much a part of it mm -hmm. and um, uh, someone who writes a lot about la that i enjoy is the uh, page turner uh crime detective novelist robert cray he writes a lot about la and okay. so many people do of course um but yeah, LA was, I, I wanted to capture this new city I live in and its its beauties and mm. its uglies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it has like a, fr like a fresh, you know, I don't know, I just really enjoyed reading it. Because um, yeah, there are so many books on, on Los Angeles that it can be like, what else is there? But I, I just felt like it was um, kind of a little pocket of, of LA that, um that was really cool to read about um i do i do have to thank you when i whenever i mean i followed your career for several years now but i always find um you have great recommendations for books like i know you talked a lot about um the richard stark parker novels in the past and how they were uh, you know an inspiration to you and uh i had never heard of of him before so that was that was a real treat and, and now like they um on audible all if you have an audible subscription all of them are in audio form um, for, for free if you have the subscription there. So I've been kind of picking, picking around, listening to those books. Uh, it's been delightful. Interesting. Read them. I'm curious. Say it again. Is there who, who reads them for Audible? I've never listened oh. to an audio book myself. I don't, I don't know the name. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying them. A couple of times, you know, it, I want to be careful and not have just that man's voice <laughs> in my head. So when I'm reading the hard copies, yeah. it gets stuck. So I try to switch it up. So I'm not sure who exactly reads them. Um, well, when do you listen to books? When you drive to work? Or? When I drive to work um, and depending depending on the book, I'll listen to a little bit. If I don't feel like reading in the evening before I go to bed, I'll listen to maybe a half an hour um so i, I like seeing all the books behind you That's oh a, yeah I for the listeners um <laughs> uh kyler i don't know they will the people see this video or just no i just i just do the audio yeah but you have really nice books behind you and uh and are you i don't mean to flip things are you no. a high school english teacher or what do you I'm, a, I'm a high school history teacher, history teacher. okay yeah. So, <laughs> well, thank Yeah. I, I got a row of stack of yearbooks over here for, yeah. you know, but I, I, I see Bukowski's Hollywood. Behind. Yeah. That's a, I love that book. That's such a, I just picked up his, um, like a collective works of his poetry. So I think it, it's a big, big thick one that they reissued. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy 
produced so much poetry and so many short stories, of course. Yeah. He just had so much pain that just generated him to generate. Mm -hmm. Um, But your listeners should know, I I like your beard and your hair. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) That's a huge compliment. Thank you. I just turned, I turned 40 on the Ides of March just a couple of weeks ago. And um, I know that's still relatively young, but I, I, I can't believe it. My students were sweet enough to throw me a surprise birthday party when I showed up to school that day. So that was oh, like so nice, man. such a lovely thing. <laughs> Nothing, I mean, being a teacher is such a noble calling. Sure. Yeah, I do. I do love it. I've been doing it um, in some form or another for the last 13 years. Um, and I figure when I stop loving it, I'll stop. I'll stop doing it. But for now, for now, I, you know, I love it. I love history. And I, you know, the kids, the kids have been great. Uh, During the pandemic, I've been very impressed with like the resilience of the Mm. teenage soul. It's been, it's been pretty cool. Well, just two things. One is, um, I'm sure you have, but I I personally have never listened to an audio book. So I don't Mm -hmm. know what the experience is like. Mm -hmm. and I've also never read an ebook, but that's somewhat uh, that I would understand a little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, Stark is worth reading on the page. Sure. Like, oh, yeah. Just the sentences. And uh, um, but I'm so glad that you're enjoying him. Have, have you gone, gotten through all 24 of the no. park? <laughs> no, no, I'm not anywhere near. And oh, okay. I, I think so. I, 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 they're all I, on there, though, which is I recommend reading them in chronological order. Okay. They do build upon themselves and they culminate uh when westlake well donald westlake is richard stark was the pseudonym for donald westlake uh-huh. and um and so westlake started the stark books in the mid 60s ended them in the mid 70s and they culminate in this great one called butcher moon where mm-hmm. a lot of the characters you've met all gather it's sort of incredible oh, cool. maybe it's butcher's moon and then he picked up the series 20 years later in the early to mid nineties, I think, and wrote a few more until he died. Um, but I, I like reading them in chronological order. I've read them all. And then there's four additional ones, right. um, maybe four or five times. It's kind of insane. Oh, wow. I've read and reread them. No, I, I agree. Like the, definitely the, the sentences, like it is, it is pure laziness on my part when I'm laying in bed <laughs> listening to oh, the audible, but no, uh, but I don't mean to in any way make you you're not being lazy. You're a teacher, you've got a lot going on, and you've got to commute to work. And so um I'm just saying, you know, no, no, no. and read it also. It's more enjoyable, definitely on the page. And I, I have a hard time. I do read ebooks um only if I I have to. I got so that's there's another compliment for a man named Dahl. I got I the publisher sent me the e copy because they didn't they didn't have the the galleys yet at the time. Oh, so I wonder uh, if the e book was the finished version. I don't Maybe know. It was. It's, I it's, hope so. I'm it's possible. Yeah. Um, perfectionism around this, even though I'm we're all imperfect. And, <laughs> that's got to drive you nuts. I mean, it's like with a. I, I talked to a lot of documentary filmmakers and I'm like, when, when, when do you know a film is done? And they, they, they all give me different answers, but it's like a very kind of a similar frustration where they have a hard time watching their, their films at festivals because they had to turn it in by a certain time and like, Oh, I should have cut that or whatever. But it's like you, the, you know, the creative mind never until you, I guess until you move on to the next project, but even then you're, you're coming back, but I will definitely, I'm going to definitely purchase a hard copy from Skylight when they, um, when they, when they uh, make them available. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, definitely. I have to, um, yeah. Speaking of Richard Stark. So it's like, it, it was a pseudonym. Like, I don't know how these, these writers from a different era were able to put out. So, I mean, 24 books, if, if, you, if a person today put out 24 books, you know, on their own, that's, that's pretty remarkable, but that's just one of his pseudonyms. Um, I, it boggles my mind how they were able to put out that stuff and, and it's good. It's readable. You know, it's, it's, it's a great, you know, 
bodies of work that these that these past generations have left behind. So I know I really admire the pulp writers, and that's sort of what I'm hoping for in this next stage of my writing career, if I can pull it off, is to be more of a pulp writer and to produce at least a book a year or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like, I mean, someone like Westlake, he, I think he wrote well over a hundred books. There are writers like that today. I mean, certainly uh, I was very fortunate to study with Joyce Carol Oates at Princeton and, mm -hmm. you know, gosh, she's written over a hundred books and PG Woodhouse, another huge, you know, role model and writer I worship. He wrote so many books. And um, I, I, I do wonder if in the past, maybe there was, well, someone like Westlake, you know, they, you know, he wrote under many names because he couldn't put out too many Donald Westlake books in here. And he probably <laughs> wasn't paid a lot for these books. So he had to write two or three just to survive. Sure. And so you can be driven by the need to survive. And, um, and to have clarity, just get it down on the page precisely with clarity. And, you know, uh, but that's what's sort of amazing about the Stark books. It's like he wrote them quickly while writing other books, but they're just so precise. Yeah. And, um, but I wonder if there's something, you know, our modern life is so much more distracting, you know, when we see the stupid reports on our phones about how much time we've spent. And it's like, how is that possible? <laughs> Four hours looking at my phone out of the 16 hours I'm awake. <laughs> I should be looking at my dog those four hours. <laughs> looking at the sky, reading a novel, you know, going back to your earlier thing, being kind to someone, mm. not looking at a cell phone. I think we're all guilty of it though. Cause I have, I go through, daily some daily self-loathing where i'm i'm looking at my phone too much and it is like it is a drug you know and i know it is it's doing something to our minds okay. um, we, we're drawn to it we we seek comfort from it we want consolation distraction you know there's part of the problem with being a human being is that we're always running from ourselves and so the phones like oh, okay I'll, these bright colors and you know, and as soon as my book is out, I'd like to do it beforehand, but I'm too weak probably as I, I'm going to delete my Twitter mm -hmm. and my Instagram and I'll done because I don't think it makes a difference. Well, but then again, I might not have met someone like you if That's I wasn't true. on social media. So, but I, I just, I just want to get off. It's not really adding to my life in a good way. I agree with, you know, say, same here. I tell my students, um, cause they're on like a whole, they've only known this, you know, they grow, they've yeah. grown up with this and I tell them it's like, uh, you gotta, you gotta view social media, like gardening, not, I mean, maybe they, maybe that's a bad illustration for them, but for me, it's good. So I have to go through and pick out the weeds occasionally and block people or unfriend people, or, you know, if there's a lot of negativity, it is kind of like do a calling every, every few months, um, and I do find that that helps, but I mean, in many ways, I wish we could go back to a world where we, we weren't so dependent on these, on these little, I know, I know. <laughs> and it's all somehow, and, and so much of it really is tied into capitalism, obviously, and self-promotion, at least for me as a writer and Anyway, this is a depressing topic. We <laughs> well, let's move. Let's get move off on. Of social media immediately. <laughs> well, we yeah, everyone. Talk time on it, let alone screen time. <laughs> it's so true. Um, let's talk about dogs for a minute. That's a po that's a positive thing. Yeah. So, in your in your in the new book, um, I I think the character, the dog George, is <laughs> are might be my favorite dog character in any book that I can remember in a long, long time. Um, so clearly you are a dog person. Um, it was George based off of a dog that, you know, um, very much. So, I mean, you know, I'm not the character of course, all and George, is, but George bears an uncanny resemblance to my dog, um, Fezzik. 
Um, and yeah, I really, I love dogs, but I'm also a, a, a cat. I love cats too. I don't own a cat. I, I only owned a cat once in my life, a cat named Lewis. And then I named uh, the narrator, I think of my novel, The Extra Man after him somewhat. Um, I had a beautiful white cat named Lewis that I found in the street in Princeton, New Jersey. I was living there for many years after college, driving a taxi. And um, one day I was driving my cab and there was a little white cat in the middle of the road, a little kitten. And I stopped my cab, got it out, put it on the lawn of the house that it seemed to be in front of. And then I, I don't know if that, and anyway, I looked in the rear view mirror and the cat was back in the street. And <laughs> I must have rang the doorbell, doorbells, nobody claimed the cat. So I, I took it home. Nobody claimed it. I must have done whatever you did back then to, you know, and um, but then when I moved to New York a year or so later to go to grad school, I'd already published a book, but I went to grad school so that I could get a degree so that I could teach, mm -hmm. um, which I did for many years. But um, I uh, anyway, so I and then another time a cat named Minimus kind of adopted me. My very sweet <laughs> landlords uh, had a cat. I lived on the third floor of their three-story, um, um, uh, it wasn't a brownstone in Brooklyn, I guess it more called a row house, but I was on the third floor and their cat kind of lived with me for a couple of years. I mean, he'd go downstairs to their kitty litter, thankfully, mm -hmm. and they fed him. But at nights when I came home, he liked hanging out with me and often slept with me. And then now, yeah, now I have my wonderful dog, Fezzik, um, I didn't name him, but I like the name. And yeah, his great name, name is from the film, A Princess Bride. Uh -huh. um, the Andre the Giant character was named Fezzik. And I'm looking at him right now. He's on a chair, sleeping in the sun. <laughs> I, I didn't give him enough of a long walk this morning. I was running late to mm -hmm. be able to talk to you. But yeah, I, I love my dog. I, I feel that he protects me in some way. Yeah, I, I mean... I agree. I went through, uh, um, so I have, I, I currently have three dogs. So I went through kind oh. of a savior complex a couple of years ago where oh. I, I couldn't resist the, the humane society at the rescue. So it, it just kind of got, my wife had to put the kibosh on it. So <laughs> I'm like three, three is enough. And the last one, all, like, uh, it's interesting. So like, I mean, because like sometimes, you know, he's bored during the day. And I know if like there was this one dog across the street for a while that mm -hmm. he could just wrestle with endlessly. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, if he had a dog like that here, because he, a lot of times he looks mopey and depressed and <laughs> they have such shorter lifespans and he could be happy all day long running <laughs> and playing. And he's just waiting for me. And, he, you know, I think he forces himself to sleep. Um, anyway, I have a, I wish I could do more for him and maybe I can, but how so old is he? Um, he's, well, let's see, I got him four years ago. He's a rescue and they, you know, didn't know how old he was, but they estimated a year to mm -hmm. two years, but I bet he was only a year. So I'd say he's like five years old now. Okay. And, but do your dogs play with each other and they're good company for each other? So that's what, yeah, the first one I got was a little, um, a little Karen Terrier mix and a month later, and she was just a puppy. Um, a month later I ended up getting for that very reason. I'm like, she needs a friend. And mm -hmm. so he's, a he's kind of like a sheep herding, a mid-sized sheep herding mix. We did the D, the dog DNA on a couple of them, which is, is pretty interesting. Um, but they get along really well. And the third one we introduced is a Pomeranian uh, Chihuahua mix. Mm -hmm. very very anxious i think he definitely had been abused before um so he they all three got along pretty well and then um we, we had the last one for a year and then over this winter um he started to resource guard me and and kind of attack the other boy dog so the two boys i'm currently working with a dog behavioralist to get them you know, back on track to at least coexist because I have to keep them separate right now. And I, he, he acts out, even he's not an aggressive dog. He's just, he's just a scared dog. So I, he's on Prozac now, which seems to be helping a bit. Uh, oh. <laughs> so 
This is the Pomeranian Chihuahua. Yeah, the Pomer. So he's the one I have on the cover of all my Salt Lake Dirt stuff. Uh-huh. That's his face there. Cosmos, his name. So and does, um, can you say he stays with you all the time? Or something? Yeah, pretty much. So I think like I think especially during the pandemic, um, he he just was with me all the time. He, mm-hmm. he followed me everywhere more so than the, the other ones uh, seem pretty content to just, you know, to sleep. And then they play with each other. They have a good little life. Um, and then Cosmo just follows me pretty much wherever I go. And and so he started kind of sitting. He would sit on me and he would sit on my face if he could. <laughs> he comes and sits on me. Um, and then if the other boy dog would get cl- kind of close Cosmo would start growling and then it turned into little scraps like fighting each other. So um, it's uh, the, the behavioralist is, is, I mean, it's amazing what, what we do for our dogs, but at the same time, like they, I totally give them credit for helping me through this pandemic. Um, You know, they, I stopped working in person last, last spring um, but they had us go back in the fall. So I've been in person this whole time, which is, which is a bit stressful. Thank goodness. I finally, I got the vaccine. Um, my second dose was about a month ago, so I'm good to go now, but those dogs, you know, they've been a good, I don't know if a distraction. I mean, they're my friends or my family, um, but they, yeah, I could go on about dogs. <laughs> yeah, no, well, they're, they're incredible. And they're very, you know, I mean, and he's looking at me right now. Um, you know, they know how to live in the now. Yeah. And but they can, but they also have emotional lives. Like my dog, he makes a lot of sounds when he's dreaming. Yeah. So, you know, he's barking and you know, he, he he has all sorts of moods. He you can clearly tell when he's happy, yeah, when he's mopey. Um, but they're very good at being present and uh but you know certainly they can be troubled if you know things have happened but i yeah they're wonderful friends to us and i don't know i haven't read all these different books but you know i think there's been a lot of books written about how dogs helped us become more human or something yeah. i don't know no, I, I read a, a book recently called it's called dog is love mm-hmm. and um it was it was pretty wonderful there's the the guy who his career is researching, you know, basically why do dogs exhibit the quality of love so much? It was, it was fascinating to read. Highly yeah. recommend it. I think a friend of mine, I don't want anyone to take this, but I think he, oh, he's a great, brilliant photographer. Just put his name out there to people, Richard Sandler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he's got a wonderful book called eyes of the city. I wrote an afterword for it. He's a brilliant street photographer chronicling New York and Boston in the 70s, 80s, 90s, also a great documentary filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he has this brilliant documentary. He was on the in um, Times Square for like five years, uh, pre-Giuliani, pre the Disneyification of Times Square. <laughs> and his documentaries, he just films. There's no, at least the ones I've seen, there's no narrative. It, they're like, video long extended film poems oh, I love it. make sense so find him richard sandler but i think sandler. he told me once that he was going to do perhaps a a book of dog photos and i think it was going to be something like god is dog backwards or something <laughs> like that you I know love it. i love it um so yeah, we're very fortunate. Well, just just real quick, and then we'll move on from dogs. What what kind of uh, so he was a he's a rescue, your pup. But what? Yeah, what breed well, do you I think didn't he do is? the DNA test, but someone else did. Was that your question? I'm sorry. I, I didn't oh no no no! I just it wasn't my. It is. I mean, it just popped into my head. I'm just curious what kind of what kind of a breed that you have. Yeah. Um, so someone, a dear friend of mine, who looks after him sometimes, she did a DNA test on him when. She had him for a week or two, uh-huh. and uh, he's half Chihuahua, thirteen uh, percent uh, cocker spaniel, and thirty-seven percent terrier mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, and he's got a tan coat and a tan head and very large, expressive brown eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, his neck is white. He's got long 
white uh, paws. And so he's got a lot of terrier in him. He's very springy, very mm -hmm. intelligent, but, um, but also very affectionate the way chihuahuas can be, and then can be very aggressive, unfortunately, towards <laughs> other dogs, yeah. at least on the leash. But mm -hmm. then he can play well, but he sometimes is, can be a little bit, it's can be, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't really take him to dog parks anymore. Um, yeah. I used to love to take him to this dog park where he could sprint. I mean, he loves to run and sprint and mm -hmm. fully express himself that way. But sometimes he would attack larger dogs and, and some, you know, maybe one time something bad could happen. Sure. Or a lot of times it's if the owner gets nervous, that's really the trouble. Or if, this particular dog park was this big open field. If the dog is still on the leash, mm -hmm. he goes sprinting at it. And then mm -hmm. the human is connected through the leash. It could really be bad. So yeah. I just can't risk anymore. I've tried some training. I didn't do enough training early on. And mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Well, they, they, I mean, they're just like us, but they have all, all the little, you know, little quirks and things that <laughs> we have to work around. Um, but yeah, I did have a question about, so the pandemic, I mean, um, I don't think I've heard any interviews with you. Um, you know, what have you, what have you been up to or what have you not been up to? How has the pandemic like influenced your, um, your, your writing? I know I've talked to a lot of writers. Some say uh, essentially nothing changed. Like this is, this is their life of isolation to begin with, but others were having a hard time, um, you know, writing and, and coming up with things they were just kind of at a standstill so I'm, I'm curious how now that we're a year in we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel um how was it for you this past year i hope we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel right <clears throat> i got on to um you know click the link you sent me hmm. excuse me i used some water um I, I'm on AOL and I saw one of those AOL news headlines like CDC di director, uh, quote, trying not to have a sense of impending doom. I'm like, oh. <laughs> like that's, it doesn't get more uh, in your face than that. <laughs> oh God. I'm like, you know, anyway. Um, so let's see. I mean, of course I've been affected as we all have just by the, horrific tragedy of this. I mean, it's just been a, a nightmare of unprecedented proportions. I don't think we can fully mm. contemplate it. I mean, five and a, uh, you know, over 500,000 dead in this country, probably it's undercounted because, um, you know, I, I just noted, noticed anecdotally so many older sports heroes over the last year died. And mm. And I think it really got into older people's hearts and was causing all sorts of heart failure. And so all around the world, millions of people have died, you know, like to quote Star Wars, you know, when Alec Guinness is in, you know, the Millennium Falcon, God, I'm sounding like a fanboy, but, and he <laughs> staggers for a moment and goes, there's been a disturbance in the force. And, yeah. and, you know, <clears throat> I, I had someone very dear to me uh, die from COVID. And, and so it's just, it's just been a nightmare for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then the fact that, you know, it was, you know, so mishandled, let's say, you know. And sure, yeah. So anyway, it's just been a difficult thing to live through as I'm just an understatement. Um, but I guess for me creatively and the writer's lifestyle, as some of the people said to you while I was home at my desk, I think in many ways I had more time to write. Um, life was less distracting. Uh, I know when I leave the house, it's very hard to come back and find that focus again. So that's why in the writer's life, I try never to have lunch with people or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So there was much less of that. And then writing was also a solace. It was like the one thing I could do, you know, not look at politics or COVID news. I could be in the fantasy world of writing mm -hmm. and writing for me, you know, I don't want to sound pretentious, I guess gives me meaning because 
uh, it's a way to participate, to perhaps give to others and to provide some distraction or uh, make people feel less alone perhaps when they read a book. So, and then I'll, I like sitting at my desk fiddling with sentences and drinking coffee. So um, in that sense, I was quite productive. I did a major revision of a man named Dahl. I've written two drafts of a screenplay based on the book. Mm. Uh, I recently wrote a TV script that I was hired to write. I started the second book of a man named Dahl. Did they send you in that ebook? I bet they didn't send you the final version, but uh -huh. the first chapter of the next book about Dahl is at the end of the oh, finished book. That's no. another thing that nobody in the galley sees. So yeah. I don't think you got an ebook. I just think you got a PDF gotcha. probably of the galley. Yeah. Um, so you so didn't get those 24 to 36 sentences that I changed, which were so crucial. Sure. Little mind, but um, so yeah, I started this second book in the series, um, which I'm trying to write now, but somewhat distracted by the new book coming out or mm -hmm. the first book coming out. The second book is called The Wheel of Doll. The Wheel of Doll. Wheel. W H. Okay. E L. Um, and yeah, so in that sense, I've been able to write, and I, I found comfort in in writing. No, I, I'm well, I'm excited that uh, yeah that uh, that another one another doll book because I like I said I it did you know it was a it was the kind of book like you said where it does pull you out of all the stuff that is going on so it, it is truly a gift so thank you for for writing it because I loved it. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, let's see one okay so one last thing any um I know you're a big reader. Obviously, so anything uh, you've read recently that is that is stuck with you, that's you know um, that you would recommend. Oh, for sure. Well, let's see. Um, well, right now I'm reading. Um, I think it's Megan. It's Megan Abbott's uh, most recent book, uh, but I'm somewhat struggling with the title. It might be "Give Me Your Hand" or. Hold my hand. Should I run to the room and get it? I feel bad. I don't. The title's not coming. To sure. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, that's not too much trouble. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to give the correct title. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm right now. Uh, about a third of the way through uh, Megan Abbott's novel, Give Me Your Hand, really enjoying that. Um, I, during the last few months of the pandemic, um, I was, I think I've read every Ross McDonald, uh, Lou Archer detective novel. I really, I, I had, I'd, I don't know, I hadn't gotten into Ross McDonald or Maybe I was such a Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, Richard Stark stalwart that I had either been resistant or, but anyway, I read all of the Ross McDonald's and absolutely loved them. At least 16 of those. Um, uh, started another book, which I put down because, uh, but I want to pick it up. It's brilliant, but I knew it was maybe going to be too emotional for some reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and by a former teacher of mine, Peter Cameron, and that one's called, I think, uh, What Happens at Night. Brilliant novelist, Peter Cameron. Um, so yeah, Ross MacDonald, Megan Abbott, Richard, uh, uh, Peter Cameron. Um, what else have I read? Um, oh, I, I guess in the beginning of the pandemic, I reread Watership Down and that mm -hmm. sort of factors into the wheel of doll. I don't know, I'm always reading, I, I don't watch, a lot of TV, um, and I'm just always reading. Probably reread some Stark just because I yeah. reread Stark. Probably I reread a bunch of Dashiell Hammett too. Um, but um, yeah, so the, off the top of my head, I would say okay uh, for your readers or listeners out there, Peter Cameron, check out his books, brilliant. Megan Abbott, check out her books, brilliant. Ross McDonald brilliant 
Great. I have to like one one that I read recently. I don't know if you had the chance, but um, Bruce Wagner's newest book. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did, did he self-publish that or something? So Wasn't this this is interesting. It, kind of. It's interesting how he he actually put it into the public domain. So it did have he did have a book deal, but um, I guess the 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 people there said some of the language was problematic. Um, he had a, a character in the book and she called herself, she called herself fat. So that was one element that they wanted changed and he decided not to go with it. So he um, apparently looked into self-publishing, but he decided to put it up on a website. So it's public, public domain. It's just out there for anyone. Uh, so I've noticed there's been, because so you can't get a hard copy of it. I've noticed on Amazon, there's been a couple um, people who have, who have, published it themselves because you, you can do that this one i have right here <laughs> i ended up it's kind of cool i mean it's a great book i'm a i mean i'm a huge wagner fan but he um book soup put this one out so they, they made they did a press of uh 500 copies because it is hard yeah it's hard for me to read uh a pdf you know and something as dense as this one uh so i grabbed i grabbed a few copies of these but it's called the marvel universe uh, it's, you know, for those who, who don't mind reading online, it's on his, on his website. Um, and I think there might be a few copies of these left over at book soup, but, um, yeah, it's a good, well, what's it about? Um, well, it's, you know, it's a typical, I don't want to say typical in a, in a negative way, but his, it's hard for me to like, uh, categorize it because he has so many different characters, uh, and they they weave into each other's lives. So, you know, there's there's several different stories with, within the book itself. But um, going back to the the overweight girl, she's um, a, I believe a billionaire living in in the Hollywood Hills, um, and she I think she's trying to be like an Instagram celebrity, um, and then she ends up getting into a relationship with a former child actress. Uh, it's yeah, it's hard for me to say what exactly it's about, but if you if you know if you love Bruce Wagner, you're gonna, you, you'd love it. Um, good stuff. And I guess it's written uh, like a third person initially. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's um, it's it's quite. And what's what's interesting too, the very end. I don't think this is a spoiler. He does even touch on the pandemic. So he was writing this up until. Um, you know, it, <laughs> until you released it. So I'm just happy. That's, they were... that's the beauty of being able to release something yourself because mm -hmm. publishing, you know, it's like, I mean, I guess I sold doll to the publisher January, 2020. Uh, luckily that gave me time to do a major revision on the book. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, but so then I did have to, I put in the book, I made clear, like, I think it's on the first page you know, about the cats and this other character. He showed up in my office on 2nd January of 2019, you yeah. know, like, cause it's yeah. like the world is so different now. It's like, <laughs> you know, you can't have people meeting in bar. Like, so yeah. it's gotta be clear that th this was PP pre pandemic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. And it's like, it is good. Like someone, you know, uh, you know, Jonathan Ames or Bruce Wagner, um, they're, you know, they you've proven yourselves as a as a writer. So putting putting your work out there, um, you know, I, th I think sometimes people frown on on self publishing. But I, you know, I've read some incredible self published books over the years. Uh, it all depends. So yeah, I mean, I I'm not against it at all. I mean, I I mean, I'm very lucky to have such a nice publisher, and they made such a beautiful cover. But self publishing, like my mom. Uh, for her 80th birthday, I helped her self-publish a collection of poetry. People can find it on uh, Blurb. It's a, a website, a okay. self-publishing website. And But it's a beautiful book. You can do so much with self-publishing. And it does take out the middle person. Of course, mm -hmm. it's like, how do you get it to people and uh, things like that. Um, but yeah, and then she so enjoyed putting it together and she's a wonderful poet that she then you know paid for the second one herself so the first book is called come with me 
And the second one is called Sit With Me. And they're two beautiful collections of poetry, self-published and just giving her so much joy to give them to friends. And uh, I, need, I need to promote those on Twitter at some point. Not that it'll make a difference, but- That's great. I'll put a link. It's in, um, what did you say, Blurb? Oh, blurb.com. Okay. And her name's Florence Ames. Okay. When I post the, um, when I post this, I'll, I'll put links to those as oh, well. Oh, please do. Yeah, blurb.com. I think both her books can be found there. I wonder if they could even be found on Amazon. I'm not sure, um, but Florence saying, I'll look, yeah, I'll look around with for... and sit with me. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, okay. Well, let's, um, so yeah, I, I believe you have an event coming. Um, I'm, I, this podcast should come out on the day the book comes out. So right, April, cool. April 20th, um, I believe you'll have uh, a virtual event at, at a, is it skylight? skylight? Great. Okay. So um we'll have the details for that in, in, in this post. And, um, yeah, I'll be talking with, uh, the wonderful comedian, writer, actor, all around brilliant individual, uh, Nick Kroll. Oh, great. Created that, uh, show, uh, big mouth, mm -hmm. um, and many other things. So he very generously has offered to talk to me virtually. And um, yeah, so that's April 20th, Skylight Books. And then I'm doing one April 27th at the Mysterious Bookshop in New York, again, virtually. And then on the following week uh, in early May, a wonderful bookstore in Milwaukee. Um, so that's great. Now that's one, I mean, you know, one, one nice thing for me during this whole horrible time is that, um, you know, living in Utah, you don't get a ton of literary stuff coming your way. And when, when you do, you, you, you know, you, you grab onto it. So there's been so many great um, virtual events, you know, that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's one thing that probably should continue. I mean, and I'm sure they probably will, mm -hmm. you know, because they don't, you know, not too many authors get book tours, but this is sure. a way you can be at different stores. And yeah, the one in um, Milwaukee is called Boswell Book Company. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I did one with Lee Child and I did a virtual event with The Moth. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm sure there'd be many good things that come out of that. And uh, I was in Salt Lake once because I, oh, I really? went to the Sundance Film Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice or three times in my life, maybe twice. Oh, no, three great. Times. And I guess every time I think I flew into Salt Lake. Yeah. And, one night uh, we went in there and just beautiful country all around there. Yeah, definitely. No, it is. There's definitely a lot of, um, you know, pros living here. And I, I, I grew up here. I moved, I lived in Long Beach, California for a while. And my young, you know, when I was in my twenties and I moved to Boston, Massachusetts, cause I wanted to have a East coast experience. And then I ended up, you know, coming back here and finishing school to, to be a teacher. So mm. You know, there's something to it. I hated it growing up, but now I have a, a new appreciation for it. And, you know, I, I'm happy with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you read the Lou Archer, Ross McDonald novels, he, uh, the Lou Archer characters from Long Beach originally. Okay, great. And nice. There's some scenes set there in a few of the books. Excellent. Well, uh, I won't, I won't take up any more of your time, Jonathan. Thank you so much for, for speaking with me today. It was a real real treat real honor to uh meet you face to face and um very excited about the new book coming out i know people are going to love it um just like i did so and i'm definitely getting a getting a a real paid version uh because i want to see those sentences i'm i'm eager to to see uh yeah. things that and then, changed and then you could also uh, you'll see the first chapter of the next one that's great yeah that's exciting no i i was curious if that if this was it was set up in a way that I think like, I, I love, I love, I love doll of the character and I, I want to see more from him. So very excited to see more, um, you know, in, the, in this next phase of your career as a pulp writer, I, I'm going to eat it up. So thank you so much <laughs> for everything you've done for, for your fans out there. I know it's, you know, real treat here. Oh, well, thank you, Kyler. And yeah, good luck. I mean, I don't know, 
maybe you could get the dog off of Prozac. I don't know. I just feel like, <laughs> like somehow his natural system can find a way, but that just might be my own bias. But, um, but I hope things work out with the dogs and with your teaching and everything and your podcast. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope you, I hope you stay in touch. So um, I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate it. So uh, maintain radio contact as they said. <laughs> Great. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan Ames. We will talk to you soon. Okay. Have okay. a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you.